Welcome to episode one of Wasaki Jack Weekly. We are live at the Vendasta Square Recording Studio, coming to you about our front-end life. So we can start off this podcast just about who we are and where we come from and maybe a fun fact about us. So my name's Mitchell Widows mckenzie graduated from Saskatchewan Polytechnic from Computer Systems Technology Program in about 2017, I believe. Started at Vendasta in 2018. That was after about a year, a couple months at Kindersley Transport as their sole programmer. Started as a Dev 1, worked my way through the ranks. I'm front-end infrastructure engineer, developer level 3, and that's who I am. Fun fact about Mitchell is I tried to recruit him to Vendasta before he went to Kindersley Transport, but he already had a job there, so he didn't want to come to Vendasta yet, but we got him. So I'm Graham Holtzlander. I also graduated from Computer Systems Technology, but in 2012. Started at Vendasta that summer and uh, did a temporary 11-month stint at another company in about 2014, 2015. And that was actually really when I started digging into the front-end side of things more. I was like always in the Chrome developer console trying out different little JavaScript tricks. Uh, and then realized just life was better at Vendasta, so came back and uh, been at Vendasta ever since. I've been in a bunch of different roles. I've been an engineering manager. I've been on the SRE team, and now I am on the front-end infrastructure team. Fun fact about me, uh, I deadlifted 405 pounds, sometimes called as 405 pounds, and for whatever reason, they played the video of me lifting that at our all-hands meeting, so that's a fun fact. It's a lot of pounds. It's a few. Uh, I'm uh, Justin Holdstock. Um, I started my career uh, going to a video game college back in uh, 2009. Uh, graduated 2011 into the video games industry in Toronto. Um, did a, a little stint there. Uh, it's a very competitive space, so I went into web development, into WebGL HTML5. Uh, did that for a few years, and then uh, a company I worked for got purchased. We went down to San Francisco to work for a company named Box. Bet you've heard of it. I might bring it up way too much. Um, and then moved uh, to Saskatoon uh, 2017. So I've been here ever since working for this lovely company as of uh, 2018. Um, I just really enjoy front end just because... I've, I've always been in the visual space, working video games, um, it just kind of naturally working in front ends makes sense. And a little fun fact, um, I actually, out of high school, was going to go into baking in Vancouver, but I, uh, on a lunch break, was watching uh, tech TV, saw a stupid commercial about video game development, and here we are. Wait, you said you started in 2018 at Vendasta, are you sure? Yeah, last year. Oh, 2019, 2019. sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Mitchell. <laughs> It's what been year a is it now? Uh, what is it? You mean like you're going to open your own studio as a baker? What do you mean like a baker? Baking apprentice? Uh, so I was going to go to a uh, culinary arts school oh. uh, for a while. And then uh, my, my plan was to move back to Saskatoon and open a bakery. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. People make video games. That's crazy. <laughs> I got to do that, right? <clears throat> And then I didn't. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's a little bit about who we are. 
Now we're going to talk a little bit about what our team's purpose is. So our team name is Wasaki Jack. It's in the title. It's probably seen in a few places. So our name's Wasaki Jack, and that comes from a Cree word about a, bene- a benevolent. That's a good thing. It comes from a Cree word about a benevolent cultural hero of the Cree tribe, which I am Cree, if you didn't know. Um, Wasaki Jack is usually portrayed as like a staunch friend of humankind and never dangerous or destructive. So that's kind of what we try to embody on this team. We try not to be destructive, even though sometimes when we upgrade something, it might not work perfectly in your front end or your repo that you're working in. But we try and help you out and get that back up and running in your front end if we broke it or even if we didn't break it, we try and assist in all those different aspects. And that's more or less where the team name came from justin and i originally came up with this team name graham tagged along and i feel like he embodies the wasaki jack culture really well Go graham thanks mitchell so that's what our team goal is kind of is the front end infrastructure of vendasta and then i'll throw it to graham here for a little bit about the other parts (laughs) (laughs) uh what Oh, I wrote that. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So the other things, uh, (laughs) the other things we're doing is just kind of keeping an eye on the future of the technologies that we're using. So um, keeping an eye on Angular, um, making sure that a lot of our projects are up to date, um, making sure that we're really harnessing all of the new features that come with updates to Angular, um, trying to, you know, make front ends easier and safer to work with. So um, are we following, you know, best practices when writing Angular code? Um, are we are we writing good JavaScript or writing really slow, crappy JavaScripts? Um, putting in, you know, um, different um, uh, guards around consistency, um, making sure that things look right across the platform. At least that's one of our goals for the future. We all know that we're having a difficult time with that right now. Um, we've been creating best practice guides. Um, so far we have a few on just testing, uh, in the future, I'm sure we'll want to make some on like how to, how to best create forms or how to best, um, write something. I don't know. Just best ways to do front end, everything, everything. And then, uh, best upgrade paths, even like maybe you just want a guide on how do I go from angular eight to nine that, that hear all the gotchas, um, that aren't mentioned in, official documentation and then finally like some of the other things you want to do is like tooling like for example commit linting that's something that just you know has no effect on um our front ends but it just makes developers lives happier so um side note on that if you want to add commit linting to your projects just go do it ask us we'll help you um if not we'll just sneak it in there when you're not looking it's fine another thing that wasaki jack is also trying to do is kind of like bring vendasta to the forefront of the angular front end ecosystem in the sense of like we're trying to write publicly visible blogs on such that like caching your node modules to speed up builds which you could see a link into the attached doc if you want to speed up your front end build a bit and just other aspects like that potentially down the road making this podcast available to anyone that outside of vendasta if we find it valuable maybe we start diving into some topics that people from i don't know box would be interested in what's box that's the second time i've ever heard that company (laughs) name (laughs) so with that being said that's kind of about what our team is what our team's trying to do a little bit about us but recently we attended ng conf which is the angular conference 
this year was all online, so it was a little different. We never, we didn't get to meet anyone in person. We were all watching on this Crowdcast platform. <clears throat> Wouldn't recommend it. It's very buggy and very glitchy, and it's actually made in Angular JS still. So, and it's 2020. Don't know how that's a thing. I just want to point out that they were talking constantly during the conference how Angular JS is going to be deprecated due to some security flaw, and they <laughs> always look directly at the camera when they stated it. And it's still written in AngularJS. Crowdcast was just... (laughs) They're holding on to their hats. I mean, I'm sure they talked (laughs) about... Maybe we can just talk about some of the things from the conference. But yeah, the the ad reads were much more intrusive than any conference I've ever (laughs) been at. It's just, okay, that talk's done. Uh, I know you look. I know you've all got AngularJS code somewhere. So this company, Hero Devs, <laughs> hashtag sponsored, is going to work with you. They have a free half day concert. It's like, can we get like, like, is it just because there's no like in-person banners with this information? Like, I couldn't believe the amount of advertising. Well, that and then the fact that like there were several talks mm. that were just, just like hashtag an hour. ad talks. Yeah, was it Stack Blitz? Is that that the one? Like like that, one Stack a, Blitz. that one was a lightning demo, at least. But it was like the best Angular and Firebase video you'll ever see. It was like a twenty-minute yeah. video on why Firebase is great, and it was pretty good. But yeah. So yeah. with that being said, once <laughs> the videos become online, we mm. will filter them down for people that want to watch them for the ones that we think you should watch. Maybe you should skip this one. If you're interested in it, you can watch this one. But some of them are just like straight up ads that we'll never use, like Stack Blitz. But I did email the CEO to get a free T-shirt. So hopefully I get that. You got Did he respond? Not yet, oh, no. Of course. <laughs> um, Checks in the so, mail, boys. <laughs> <laughs> one part of ng-conf that we found very interesting is all the talk on Ivy. Ivy was big the year before, big even the year before that, talking about, oh, Ivy's coming, Ivy's coming, Ivy's now here. So they started talking about what benefits Ivy actually brings to you, such as a talk on the Phantom Template Air. So I know Justin listened to this one really well here, so let him take lead on this talk here. Yeah, so um, we've all been in that case where We've, we've written some Angular code and we run it and then we just start getting error in template or null injector error or here's an error I've never seen before and it makes no sense and it's pointing at the, the Angular build stack. We don't know what that means. We, we can spend forever asking around, Googling, what does this mean? It's probably something specific to what we just did. But we're probably never going to find it out um, without like copy-pasting code, deleting things, trial and error, debugging the issue. So um, with Ivy, uh, basically what they're trying to do or what they're doing is they're enabling uh, template checking, which I think in Angular 8, uh, there was a thing called full template type check. Um, uh, I can't I can't remember what the flag's called now, probably just like template type check or something like that in Angular 9. Um, Strict template. Both <laughs> Sorry, of those that? are... Both of those are the flags. Strict oh, template okay. is for Angular 9, Ivy checking. Full template type check is for Angular 8 and below. Right. Okay. What he said. Yeah. Um, uh, gotcha. So basically, uh, by by taking these flags and making use of them, you know, you can, you can look around like 15% fewer bugs because you're actually doing strict type checking 
right at compile time, not at runtime. Um, being able to like write in your, your editor, um, uh, catching these errors ahead of time is like a form of linting. And then, um, they went, they went over a little bit on like the upgrade path, like say currently your projects have no, no, uh, uh, template linting whatsoever. Like imagine turning that on to strict mode. You'd, you'd probably just die. Um, so, uh, they, they recommend going from like a base to full, uh, migration path and then just like seeing, okay, enable strict watch as hundreds of thousands of errors propagate and don't touch them. Just, you know, take, take time to, um, plan ahead, you know, make sure, uh, I, the, these people were looking or talking from like a professional point of view. They're like, you know, look at, look at what a, a sprint of, of work would be on, on fixing strict and just take time to upgrade to strict mode. Then you're going to get better, um, bug detection before you start shipping your apps. Um, then you can maybe, you know, start, um, writing better tests around that. Um, if I'm reading that correctly, um, one other good thing is like with the strict template type checking, you might be thinking they rolled their own engine or something like that to actually type check these things. What it actually does is it converts your template file. So like the dot HTML file into TypeScript. And so all it's doing is using TypeScript TypeScript with the strict mode on more or less. There's a little more to it than that, but basically all templates automatically, well, not automatically, in the Angular compiler get converted into TypeScript, and that's where they do all the checking. They don't actually parse the HTML DOM at all. Hmm. That makes a lot of right. sense, because right. you already have, you know, ESLint or TSLint, whichever one you're supposed to use. You know, they already have that. It already has strict mode. And like a lot of the, the problems they talked about in, um, they did a talk about things that the full template type check would catch versus strict templates. And it's stuff like, you know, anything more than like a level deep in an object just won't get caught at all with Angular 8 and below. And when you have an NG4, that's instantly just converts it to an any. Versus now in the strict template check, since they can convert it to TypeScript, you can get full linting and type checking on basically every variable in your template, which is pretty insane. Like I even, I tried this in one of our apps and there was like code that for sure gets executed all the time that just does not do anything like a disabled uh, property that, you know, it should be disabled in this case. That case is never going to happen because we're like it it was trying to check a property but that property wasn't on the component it was on an input to the component and so in terms of the html it's it passes it doesn't care but once you turn the strict checking on it's like hey this thing actually doesn't exist and i was able to fix it but i would not have ever looked at that without this so it's pretty powerful stuff that i think we're trying to get rolled out or at least get visibility on yeah and you could play around with um, your own project. You can turn it on, see what errors kind of pop up. In the link document to this also, you'll see, hopefully by the time this is live, there'll be video you can watch if you want to be more on it, more if you want to get more info on it, or um, we'll also be linking to the actual Angular docs so you can give it a little read and see how your front end is. Maybe there's a little few errors that you didn't know are actually errors that could happen without the strict type checking on. Mm-hmm. The one, 
I think it was the 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 phantom template error i want to say it was day one or two and then they did another talk about it on like day three and i liked their strategy for trying to turn this on which is where you turn the strict mode on but then ignore like you you can turn on like sort of like with ESLint, you can ignore certain rules mm-hmm. turn on all the strict but then ignore basically you know ignore everything except for one type right go through and fix just that type because then you're like oh i'm getting used to fixing this particular error once that one's all cleaned up, unignore another one and sort of just go. And that's a nice way to sort of take it piecewise and take your time with it. Yeah, and that's day two, stronger type checking in templates with that's Ivy the was one. the talk. It's a very descriptive title, very declarative. <laughs> and then also one of the biggest selling points I personally picked up from that was um, you could focus on logic bugs, not ones that need to be tested just right. to make sure like, the Boolean is not undefined because your code should already handle that more or less. Yeah. Um, like, like the example of that disabled thing, like <clears throat> I now yeah. don't have to write a test that my button is disabled in this certain case because my build just catches that automatically and I can test more interesting stuff. Um, so another talk that we had at ngconf is the state of RxJS. I know Graham's pretty, psyched about rxjs he's a very reactive programmer dude i don't know what dude. i'm saying <laughs> man um so i'll let him take it over cover a lot of the main points about this and see if this piques your interest yeah and i won't i won't talk too 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 in depth because this is definitely an area where as with sakajak we're trying to i mean essentially we want to onboard people into the rxjs world because it is just such a powerful tool but it's also easy to not do it in the best way. And so that was a lot of what I liked about this talk. The other thing I liked was it was from Ben Lesh, one of the core, I mean, maybe the core uh, engineer of RxJS. I'm a pretty big fan of his. And so I'll just talk about uh, three of the different things that I liked from this talk. And one of them was uh, better type support, like typings. Uh, one of the things he talked about was if you have like, uh, you know, the of, uh, I think it's, uh, wouldn't be an operator, but uh, you have of, and you can pass, you know, up to uh, eight different things uh, earlier than RxJS 7. But once you pass that eighth thing, the way that the overloading works in TypeScript, it just considers that as a scheduler. So if you, if you put in, you know, too many things into your of, you start getting this weird error where, you know, oh, whatever isn't of type scheduler-like. And one of the things you talked about is like, that's something we like never want developers to see because that isn't helping you write your app. It's just confusing you. And so with RxJS 7, leveraging TypeScript 3.8 and some other things, they're able to do those kind of variadic args uh, much smarter where they can support essentially n amount of parameters rather than having to if you've ever like you know command clicked into of in your editor and you see there's like eight different versions of it, it's like of with one parameter of <laughs> with two parameters of with three <laughs> parameters uh i haven't looked at the rxgs 7 source code but i assume that they're able to do that in a different way that's a bit smarter uh so definitely looking forward to that that's going to make life a bit easier for people they're also deprecating the to promise method because uh, it also had issues around typing because 
if you think about promises, like they can either resolve or reject. So the type of a to promise should probably be a union type of whatever your thing is and uh, unknown or like undefined because if it doesn't emit then or if it doesn't resolve I should say I'm using observable lingo if it doesn't resolve theoretically it should be undefined that value and instead you should probably have to like catch an error uh, so they fix that up but they also fixed it up with two new functions so rather than to promise you would use either first value from or last value from based on which one you want um, because promises can only resolve to one thing they're not streams so once the promise is resolved it just has one thing but since it's an observable to promise it could emo emit multiple things uh, which is <laughs> probably partly why they're trying to downplay the to promise functionality because mm -hmm. It's almost like trying to eject out of the reactive land and trying to make it a bit more imperative. So if you want the first value from a stream as a promise, you'd use that function. It's very nice and declarative. If you want the last value, you use that function. And they have the nice types that are correct and different stuff like that. I just want to jump in and say to one thing that they did mention uh, a couple of times is that they consider promises to be like legacy API. Like they don't, they don't want to touch promises. Promises are not something that exists in the world of rxjs yeah and i think it makes sense just to do like it's almost like the single responsibility principle in a way like we have to sort of half support promises and <laughs> you know we're trying to get everyone to use rxjs and streams and stuff but we have the promises sort of tagging along so i think it makes sense if they can i can't remember he talked a little bit about rxjs 8 but i can't remember if you talked about removing that <laughs> and Go and ahead. yeah, with with all that being said, if all what Graham said went above your head, mm. don't fear. That's a lot of technical stuff from RxJS, and it comes with time as you learn RxJS. In the attached doc, like I've been saying a few times, we'll have some details about like if you're just wanting to learn more about RxJS, if you're wanting to brush up on your skill set a bit with RxJS, we will throw it in the doc. You can play around with it. If you have any questions about RxJS, Graham, Justin, and I as well as many other people at Vendasta are comfortable in RxJS and are more than willing to help you learn, teach, just have any, answer any questions you may have. Yep, totally. And yeah, like I'm, I'm getting into more of the specifics, but the, the main thing that they wanted to get across in this state of RxJS talk was that they're trying to sort of smooth some of the rougher edges in the API to make it a bit easier for newer folks to get involved. Because, uh, like, say, with the of thing, like I was talking about, you put too many things into the of, and it was working, but then I added this one extra thing, and now I get this totally abstract error that I don't get, and I'm out on RxJS because it doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to help people with a lot of these updates. Uh, the very last thing I want to talk about with RxJS, because I'm going nerd mode on the RxJS, is when you actually subscribe to a function, they're making it so if you pass multiple functions to subscribe, they're making that a deprecated way of uh, trying to subscribe. So either what you have to do is pass it one function, which is your on success function, essentially. So every time something comes through your stream, it gets passed into this function. Or you have to pass it as an object with named functions, which is uh, the other way and probably the preferred way to subscribe. Uh, and then the last thing is on tap as well, which is an operator. And the thing that I uh, realized is tap is literally just subscribe 
except as an operator. And I hadn't thought about it that way, but I love that. So since it works that way, all the same rules apply. So apparently I hadn't, hadn't even tried this, but you could pass two functions for tap, one for success, one for error. And that would just work. And I had never tried that before, but I think that would be legit. So if it's treated as a, like a, basically a subscribe, if you just piped off something, you do a pipe and then a tap, will that subscribe to it? Or do you still have to do that outer subscribe? Because that's just subscribing to the inner observable or is it also doing the outer one too? No, it would, you'd still like, so if you think about it as my stream is only going to do something once I subscribe, the tap isn't going to help you there. You still have to subscribe or have an async pipe or something on the end of your stream or else it doesn't do anything in most cases. But that's yet another talk for another day on RxJS. I just want to yeah, tag one last thing onto observable store, which is the way you can think about of it is, is it's like the one source of truth for all your services to talk to. So say uh, you have a page and you've got, you know, some components and they have services that talk to, you know, their own stuff. Like say you've got uh, one thing gets information about a user, one that component, I should say, it has a service that gets a user. You have another component on that page that gets, uh, you know, any files that have been shared with that user and sh shows it on the page. What you could do with observable store is you would use that as like a, like I say, the one source of truth or like uh, you could think of it like a service for your services. And so your service hits your API and then it'll set state on the observable store. And the cool thing about this is you can also also attach an action to that set state command. So say uh, our, our API request comes back about how many files that were attached to our user. We set the state as these are the files and the action was uh, get files. The reason we would do this is there's uh, a technology called Redux, which I'd consider observable store like Redux Junior Junior. Like it's not Redux Junior. It's like a level below that yet. But the thing I really liked about observable store is it feels like the right level to try and get in on like rather than trying to like if Redux is, you know, a, a 10 story uh, building observable store sort of feels like a one or a two story building where it's a bit easier to to try and get the idea around. But you can work with things like Redux dev tools and you can actually get like stream replay. You can rewind the state of your application because observable store knows how to tell the redux dev tools what it's doing essentially so it uh isn't something i played around with yet but it was it was another uh it was another hashtag ad from the uh the, the uh <laughs> angular ngconf um but this was one that really resonated with me actually so i want to uh, definitely play around with it for for something but i haven't decided what yet Sweet. Um, yeah, looks promising. Try it out. Well, and the other uh, thing is it's super small, so it's not like, like not just in terms of uh, mental overhead, but it's also, I mean, it was on the order of like a, a kilobyte or a couple hundred mm -hmm. bytes or something, so it's pretty yeah. easy to add to your app. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you mentioned. I might have missed it if you did, but um, the guy also giving the talk or maybe in the questions and answer part, people were like should I just jump right into using observable store or should I just go right to Redux or something like that? And he started stated, 
most likely if your app's small, you don't need observable store. You don't need Redux. You could do right. it in a uh, service. Yep. But when things get to like business center, vendor center, partner center, those things are massive things that have a lot of state that's shared throughout the entire app. And we already do a lot of things wrong with state there. So mm. this is where something like this could potentially benefit us. It might be a lot of work to implement it might be a lot of work to get people trained on how to understand and use it but mm. it could benefit us in the long run of things so look forward to potentially seeing some prs around that seeing some rfcs talks anything into that just so then we could share our knowledge of what we find with this hopefully making our front ends a little bit more stable yeah like i think what could be really cool about that is because if you think about it really the observable store is more or less just like a set state and get state on the store. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if your service essentially say we go to a particular section of one of our applications, it does a get state, uh, and you know, for whatever in area it's interested in, if that's there, then it, it just is like, Oh, great. I just inject that into my components and I start running with it. I think that would solve a lot of issues where we're, we've reinvented the same way to get some particular piece of information, like eight different times. And right. so we can't share caching. We can't share a whole bunch of different things. This does yeah. feel like something that could help, but it is another layer and it's another provider and, and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, look for more information on this, like Mitchell said. In the document, we'll have a little bit more links to the observables or docs. So hopefully the talk, we don't know when that video are going to go live or <laughs> when this is going to go live, but hopefully this week for the podcast next week hopefully for the videos but we'll keep that doc friday once we guaranteed get friday <laughs> friday the <laughs> holiday that frosty <laughs> um, the easter bunny himself will deliver this podcast that's right <laughs> so this was a lot of the main topics we wanted to touch on just on our first podcast get dip our toes in the water um there's some open questions that i would like to throw out there to anyone at vendasta that has an opinion on anything um, we're looking at potentially changing up the front end infrastructure a bit. I know Vendasta has dabbled in mono repos in the past. It became gigantic, bulky. It took like a long time to actually just pull the repo. Apparently I wasn't around during that time. Graham was, so he might be oh, able yeah. to speak more on that, but, um, we're looking at potentially going to a mono repo structure or at least playing around with it with maybe a few repos and the new galaxy front end framework. More on that later, not this podcast future future time for that um so if you guys have any opinions if you played in a mono repo before we'd love to hear your opinions on it your thoughts um so we have mono repos that are on our mind for where we're going we'd also like to throw out any topics that you guys are interested in maybe it's something front-end related maybe it's not we could potentially expand what this podcast is about but if you have a front-end idea you want us to discuss or you want to come on here with us and discuss it with us we're more than open to doing that mm. And then also we could look at potentially trying to pull in some people from around the community because Graham and Justin and I have roots going outside of Indasta. Like it, I think it would be really cool if we could pull in um, Justin's friend from Ox Bay. No, not <laughs> no one cares about Box. Um, <laughs> what is Ox Bay? I can't remember. Your, There's a few game studio game studio. Mm. Uh, noodle cake. Yeah. Noodle cake. Uh, yeah. So Justin's I've got a buddy over at noodle cake. Um, the, the front end stuff they do, they do a lot of, uh, hand rolled, 
uh, C sharp or not C sharp objective C, some C plus plus, um, they use different, uh, uh, because they're a porting studio for some of their stuff, they'll probably use like a lot of common, um, we could probably bring someone from Stripe potentially, um, I don't know. If it, d- d- depending on where you guys want people from, maybe. Um, we could bring in people from all over the Saskatoon community, potentially. We have a few people that we know from Seven Shifts, Coconut Calendar, maybe some smaller tech places that we haven't, most people haven't heard of, but do pretty cool front-end stuff. I think that's about it. What do you guys think? Anything else you want to discuss, say? I think we just need a sign-off. Yeah, everybody stay healthy, stay happy, uh, have, have stay fun with the weekend. Stay jacked. <laughs> Stay with Saka jacked. And scene. <laughs>